Welcome to Role Playing History, the podcast where we explore the history of role playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 95 Gaming Memories. Okay, so this week's show is way different than anything we've ever done to this point. I mean, we usually deep dive the history of individual games or creators. However, since the road to our 100th episode is getting shorter, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different this week and talk about some of my best gaming memories. Oh, and if you're wondering why I'm not saving that for episode 100, well, I've been working up that episode for about a month, so you're just going to have to wait and see what I've got brewing. And I already know the next question. Why in the hell would anybody like to spend a half an hour listening to somebody else's memories of the games they played? I mean, don't they have their own? My response to that comes from the inspiration for this week's show. About a month or so ago during a game break one night, my buddy Jim and I got on the topic of some of the games we'd played over the years and... One story turned into another until we'd spent the better part of a half hour just reminiscing about the games we'd played over the years. And I noticed something while we did that. The rest of the group was paying attention to what we were talking about. Some of them even asked questions about the games and sessions in question. So at least in our little group, there were those who seemed interested in what we were talking about. I'd also note that these are the kinds of conversations you'll hear at conventions all over the world. I mean, when I go to conventions, those make up about 90% of the conversations that I have with people. And while I've heard some of the industry say they're bored with or tired of hearing the same old thing every time, I really rather enjoy them. Those stories tell me that those of us who really love this hobby, really love this hobby. So please indulge me just a little bit today as I take a trip down my own memory lane. And maybe some of these stories mirror your own experiences. And maybe not, but it should be an interesting show nonetheless. So hop on the tour bus, kick that seat back, and relax as I unpack stories from 40 years worth of gaming. Now, my earliest memories of anything anywhere near role-playing games comes from when I was about seven years old, which would put us around 1980. I mean, I'd done the whole role-playing thing with my Star Wars action figures before that, but that's not tabletop role-playing, so that doesn't count. And there are those who would tell you that these memories don't quite count either, but these moments are my genesis for my love of role-playing games. So, my parents got divorced when I was seven. Not the most important part of this particular story, but it needs to be mentioned so that the story itself makes a little more sense. Since my mom worked two jobs after that, I spent a lot of nights at my aunt's house. Her boyfriend at the time had three kids of his own, and they came into town later in the year. They were teenagers. For a seven-year-old, they were like gods. My very first contact with role-playing came from them. In fact, my introduction came during one of my many bouts of insomnia, which I've had pretty much my whole life. In order to focus my brain so I could fall asleep, I'd be told, let's call them stories. Only in the stories, I was a fighter in armor, carrying a sword. It was a variation on a choose-your-own-adventure story, since as I was walking through the dungeon, I decided where I was going and whether I'd fight or not. And yeah, I get that it's not a true tabletop role-playing game since I didn't have a character sheet and I never rolled a single die, but those stories planted the seed. Those same kids had their own game of D&D that they played whenever possible, and since I was around all the time, pretty much, they were stuck with the seven-year-old looking over their shoulders while they played. 
I, I guess they eventually got tired of that. So they decided the group could use a halfling rogue. They made my character for me. They kitted it out, then showed exceptional patience while I made a ton of stupid mistakes along the way. But I got to game with the kids I saw as the coolest kids in the room. And for those few months they were in town, I got to play alongside them. Which kind of explains why I still like to play a halfling rogue from time to time. Once they'd moved back with their mother in Florida, there were a few months that I went without my now-beloved role-playing games because I had no idea where to find them. Now, that didn't last long, because by late 1981, I'd figured out that all of those hardcover books and boxes in one section of the toy store were actually role-playing games. Well, one specific line of role-playing games, and I'm sure you've figured out which one by now. So in December of 81, I got that iconic red box set of Dungeons and Dragons. That was, as we've discussed on a previous episode, the basic set. And fortunately for me, it hadn't been too long before this in the line had been updated to be even more novice friendly than it had been before. So even for a then eight-year-old who didn't know shit about shit, it could be read, understood, and played. Well, maybe I should say somewhat understood. I mean, I was pretty smart for an eight-year-old, but I was still eight for God's sake. I spent months reading and rereading the books in that box, so much so that I dog-eared the pages before I'd even had a chance to run it. When May of 82 rolled around, I used all my birthday money to buy the blue box, which was the expert set. It was then that I finally found a couple of friends willing to follow me down the geeky rabbit hole. Brian Schaefer, Shane Welker, and Glenn Busson, those were three friends who spent every recess playing D&D with me. Never mind, I had no clue what the hell I was doing running a game. They killed monsters, they got a lot of treasure, and we all seemed to have fun during those 20-minute sessions every day. Hell, we even had some sleepovers where we played well into the night. Well, well into the midnight-ish anyway. I mean, come on, nobody's parents were going to let us play all night. 1983 brought the aqua-colored companion rules, and you know I bought that one. And to be honest, the only reason I was able to DM is because there were a ton of adventures written for the D&D box sets. Fortunately for me, those were also available at the toy store, so I could take my allowance and holiday money and buy more adventures to run my friends through. Even though those playing my weird little game would change from time to time, I kept on through elementary school. Oh, and in a foreshadowing of my other title, you know, The Bad GM... I had no idea what giving XP meant, so my group leveled up way more than they should, and they got way more stuff than they ever should have gotten. My dad would chuckle when I was spread out on the floor in my bedroom, banging away on a calculator like I knew what the hell I was doing. I didn't, but it sure was fun. Needless to say, junior high school kind of put a stop to my gaming for a bit because, well, my attention was directed elsewhere. But I had some cousins who played, so I still got a game in from time to time. Wasn't quite the same, but it worked. Same thing goes for high school. Not a lot of games, but the ones I got into were pretty damn cool. So let's fast forward to my freshman year of college, fall of 1991, and I joined the debate team. Again, that's not the important part of this story, but it does help with context. You see, our debate team didn't have a very large budget, which meant when we traveled for tournaments, there were eight or nine of us in a van hauling up to eight hours to get where we needed to be. And that means we had up to eight or nine hours to kill on the road. For the millennials in the crowd, that was, of course, before we had smartphones with the internet on them or apps where we could watch a thousand different videos. So how do you pass the time? D&D, of course. Typically, whomever was riding shotgun was the DM, and as many of us as wanted to play could play in the game. 
That included our driver from time to time, which could get weird when they'd go to roll dice. <laughs> Needless to say, it almost caused a wreck or two when they leaned across the dash to check the result. If you're curious what that might have looked like, Jolly Blackburn's done a few comics with that same theme over the years, so grab a copy of Nights at the Dinner Table and see for yourself. It kind of just occurred to me. It's been a long time since I shouted out Jolly Blackburn, so hey, Jolly. Anyway, sometimes those games would continue during our downtime during the tournaments, but usually they were confined to the drive times. And we'd only play a particular game for one trip. Next trip, new campaign. Trip after that, ditto. Lather, rinse, repeat. The beauty of these games for me was that it gave my 18-year-old self a different perspective on playing, since I was playing with folks who'd had very different backgrounds as myself. In fact, it was my first time gaming with a diverse group, as we had a veritable United Nations on our team. It's also the first time I'd gamed with women. Not that it's a weird thing. It was just a new thing for me, anyway. So I guess the takeaway from that is that it taught me to be more open to possibilities when gaming. The group also gave me my first experiences in playing games other than D&D, as we broke out the West End Games version of Star Wars. Plus, we also played some Star Trek. Of course, when we played Star Trek, I was a complete frickin' goof, since I was really interested on one of the ladies in our group, and I act like a jackass when she played. But I did get to experience other games, which was a bonus for me. Let's fast forward again to 1997. I was 24 years old and working at a radio station in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. You were surprised I was a DJ? <laughs> Come on. If you've seen my picture on the website or one of the YouTube videos, you just know I have the face for radio. Anyway, my cousin introduced me to her gaming group, and for the first time in a very long time, I had a weekly game to play. We play for about eight hours or so every Sunday, and I met a gamer in that group that really changed the way I played. And he taught me a ton about gaming while we were at it. Again, this was a mixed group of folks. And since I didn't know many folks, I reverted back to my classic character design of the halfling rogue. However, after 20 years of honing my skills, I was able to be a lot more than a torchbearer and lockpicker and had the most fun I'd had in a really long time. And like I said, I was about to really learn some stuff. Mike Cannon, who I met playing that game, eventually decided to form his own group that would play on Friday nights. Now, he was, and still is to an extent, the epitome of what we'd call a power gamer, and he ran his games the same way. Hell, I should have known things were going to be different when he let me create two characters to play at the same time during the new game. But I learned a lot about running characters from doing that, and by watching the play styles of everyone in the group, I learned a whole lot more about play styles, including my first real interactions with a genuine rules lawyer. And while I liked the person, I hated the rules lawyer in him. I also have to shout out Mike's wife, Jan, because she eventually convinced Mike to run a game just for her. Well, her and me, since she convinced me to roll up a character and join her to take a bit of pressure off of Mike. So at a certain point, we were running Mike's full game on Fridays and Saturdays most weeks, and Mike would run sessions for Jan and myself two or three times during the rest of the week. Needless to say, we dropped the Sunday game we'd been in, which gave us more time to play the games he was running. Again, I look back on those games fondly, not just for what I learned, but also with appreciation for the fact that Mike and Jan basically kept me alive during those years, because I was not only broke, but depressed as hell, so having the games to look forward to, as well as Jan's cooking to keep me from going hungry, it, it kept me going and it kept me alive. So yeah, 
I look back on all those games with a whole lot of love. There was also the point sometime in 1999 where Mike had just about run himself ragged running all the games, so he decided to combine what we'd been running off the books, as it were, with the main campaign, which meant I was now running three characters, a ronin, a cleric, and a wizard. And yeah, you think you have it rough trying to remember spells for one character. One thing it did teach me was how to make sure I was planning well ahead for each of my characters and what I wanted them to do. The last thing I wanted to do was take up 10 minutes each time one of my characters had their turn. That game ended for me when I moved back home to the St. Louis area in 2000, but I jumped from one game directly into another. Now, I've mentioned this before on this show, I think. It's the group I'm still in today, but we've only got two current members who were a part of it the day I joined, and that's Scott and Jim. A couple of the originals, Moni and Joe, have been in and out a few times over the years, but at present, they're doing their own thing, and and that's okay. We all need to do our own thing from time to time. Now, I know I've mentioned this before on the campaign build-along, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it here, but the very first thing I did when I joined the group was sit in to watch a session before I was allowed to create my character and join in. That might sound harsh or brutal to some, but I think it's actually a pretty damn smart idea. First, it forces the newbie to pay attention to what's going on so they have some idea of what they're about to get themselves into. Saves a lot of catch-up once the player actually starts playing. Second, it gives the group a chance to get to know the new players so that everybody can be somewhat comfortable when that newbie starts. Lastly, it gives the new player a sense of what the group's play style is. So if they have a style that's a bit different, they can start figuring out what they need to do to make sure they can work with the new group. That works for the DM as well, as it gives them an opportunity afterwards to talk to the player, explain what the style is, and work with the new player to help them get their style integrated. Now, this group went every other Sunday, and it was nothing for us to put in a 10-hour day. Of course, there was usually only about eight hours of gaming, but hey, them's the breaks sometimes. Most of my memories from the first couple of years of this group were the funny comments that would be made during sessions. It got to the point that Moni was keeping a list of game quotes, and we determined it had to be pretty damn epic to make the list. Our friend Dave made quite a few of them. While floating in the water, after being made to walk to plank, he asked, Is there a sword floating by? When trying to get someone to answer a door, do they speak knock? But Dave wasn't alone. Scott had a line that we still give him shit about to this day, and I have to warn you, there is an F-bomb coming. I have to note he was playing a paladin, and while I forget the exact situation, his response was, Fuck this honorable combat shit. Yeah. Jim had his work cut out for him when I joined because I was a full-fledged power gamer and he's much more of a storyteller, so we clashed for a bit. And I tell this story because I know there have been a lot of you out there who've gone through this at least once. And for those who are right now, I mean, I hope this helps. Since I was used to being the center of attention in Mike's group, and running three characters tends to do that, and since I hadn't been in Jim's group when it was first assembled, I really didn't feel like I had a spot in the group or a storyline when I first started. Now, my first character was a fighter named Marina, and yes, I played a female character. Decided I wanted to try something different. I never really felt like she gained any traction in the game or with me, so we killed her off at one point, and I replaced her with a dwarven cleric. That didn't really take either, so Jim figured out a way to resurrect Marina, and I played her until I left the group for a bit a while later, and by a while, I mean a couple of years. You know how that goes. 
And while I remember these early games in the group rather fondly, it's mostly because of the personal interactions outside of the game rather than for anything my character did. Like I said, I never really felt like my characters fit in. And while I know how I'd handle that now, I wasn't gamer mature or is it gamer experienced enough to figure it out then. I did get a fiancé out of the deal, but that relationship came to an end, mostly because we probably should have never gotten together like that in the first place. Greatest friends, not so great as partners. Just saying. Oh, and almost forgot another funny thing from those games. Cindy, who played our rogue, never seemed to be able to roll well when she was tossing her daggers at targets. So much so that she seemed to critically fail a lot. Needless to say, a lot of us got daggers in the back by accident on more than one occasion. And there was the fact that Jim's sister Beth could never seem to keep her dice in the dice tray when she rolled them. Inevitably, they'd bounce out, hit the floor, and have to be re-rolled. So if nothing else, I got some really good story material from this part of the group. But when my relationship ended, I decided I needed a break, so I left for a bit and ran a group of my own. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, because while I did have fun and I managed to hone my GM skills a bit, there's not a lot more to share on that. It didn't last very long, and that's because I got the call from Scott telling me two players had left the group, and Dave had left prior to that, so they really wanted me to come back. I did, and I haven't regretted it since. And I've learned a lot of other games since then, and mostly that's because Jim likes running non-D&D games. So, thanks to him, I've played Vampire, Shadowrun, new versions of Star Trek, and dozens of other games I probably wouldn't have played otherwise. Plus, the foursome of Jim, Scott, Moni, and Joe have been exceptionally patient and helpful in working with me on becoming a better GM. In fact, I'd say that the campaign I'm running at present is some of the best GMing I've ever done. And considering I'll be 50 in May and have been doing this for a really long time, kind of means something to me. Okay, so I didn't put all of the games I've played in here. There's dozens more stories I could tell. Sometimes those stories are better left for another time. So let's bring today's tour to a close. Next week, I'm going to go off script again, but that's because we'll be celebrating the one-year anniversary of Bad GM Productions and the show that brought the company into being. That's Bad GM's campaign build-along. What am I going to do for the show? Well, you're just going to have to listen and find out. In the meanwhile, check out Bad GM's campaign build-along. This week, our group finds out what data they've got from iRobotics, and they get back on the adventuring track. Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your royalty-free, license-free music needs. Role-Playing History is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash badgmprod, on Twitter at badgmp, on YouTube and Tumblr it's badgmproductions. You can email us badgmproductions at gmail.com. And the website is badgmproductions.net. Next week, it's a double anniversary, Bad GM Productions and the campaign build-along. Since this is a podcast, I can't actually hand you a piece of cake, but hell, you've got a week to go get yourself one. That's next week, though. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history.